Welcome back to another episode of DC Comics News. I am Editor-in-Chief Josh Rayner, and I'm here to bring you some fantastic interviews that we just conducted with the cast and crew of Batman Death in the Family. That's right, the new uh, interactive film, animated film from DC, uh, which is coming out, uh, I believe, on October 13th. So make sure you pick up your Blu-rays then. Uh, so we had the uh, the pleasure of interviewing uh, the writer and director, uh, Brandon Vietti, fantastic guy, uh, as well as some of the cast. Uh, we had uh, Zara Fazel, who is the voice of Talia al Ghul. Then we had Vincent Martella, who voices Jason Todd himself. And none other than John DiMaggio, the voice of the Joker. That's right. So, uh, I, I'm excited to get into these, So, and I hope that you guys are too. First up, we are going to hear uh, our uh, our very own Brad Filicky, who is uh, one of our great writer, news writers and podcasters over here at DCN. He will be interviewing uh, Brandon Vietti. So, uh, enjoy. So, uh, what were some of the unique challenges <clears throat> in uh, directing for the interactive format oh there were so many um honestly it was uh, an interesting experience putting together a branch story it was my first time doing it um but so another unique aspect of this i think that's different than any other branch story out there is the fact that we incorporate some elements from another great movie that we did 10 years ago called batman under the red hood um this uh project batman death in the family is uh sort of an extension of that. It's not meant to be a sequel, but it does kind of stand by it. And in that, it takes our audiences back to that fateful moment where Robin was uh, at the hands of the Joker. And it gives our audience the opportunity to vote whether he lives or dies. And so, you know, I think... Starting there, going back to comics history, going back to that fateful choice, and starting to come up with new pathways, new alternate things that could have happened if fans voted differently back then, um, was certainly an interesting challenge uh, from a story construction standpoint and from an animation standpoint uh, to be able to utilize... uh, sequences from under the red hood but, but present them in entirely different ways because new story choices got you to those familiar moments um was quite a puzzle <laughs> i'll put it that way it took quite a bit of time quite a bit of thinking quite a bit of planning out quite a bit of putting cards on walls and running strings between the cards to like see what connects to what how to construct it in the editing room how to animate new material and fit it in between. Um, the whole process was uh, both challenging and rewarding. And I'm hoping you know our audiences will just love diving into this this uh, network of, of decisions um, within this group uh, and seeing how those choices play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and besides Under the Red Hood and Death in the Family, did you were you influenced by any other Batman stories in in writing and directing uh, this film? Many, and it's all there. Honestly, I I really tried to 
incorporate a lot of uh, story material um, from some of my favorite books. I will say there's there are some highlights, uh, alternate presentations of, of famous um, Batman history moments that are within the movie, um, just served up in a different way because there's different choices throughout. So there, some are very out there for you to find, some are very hidden. Um, but I really did look at this from the point of view as a fan myself, as a Batman fan myself, knowing all of the things that I know and love about Batman, the Batman universe, Batman's history. I tried to bring kind of all my favorite things into this story, but serve them up in new and different ways so that people can discover them along the way through the choices they make. And you have said that you really leaned in to the horror aspects of the story. And was that something that you set out to do before you started writing it? Or was that something that kind of happened as you got into the process? You know, I think it's something I knew I was going to delve into right away. Um, you know, none of this could happen without Ted Winnick's great story for Under the Red Hood. Um, and the decision to bring Jason back, a, a fallen hero, and somebody with um, a, a pretty kind of warped point of view on Batman's form of justice, right? I mean, all of those themes of, of justice um, that are unique to Batman um, and how he trains his Robins um, are twisted around in Jason. And that's such a core part of the Batman universe, that psychology, the criminal psychology that is explored often through Batman's villains. Now it's all fallen onto the shoulders of, of Jason Todd. Like one of the Robins who's come back a, a, a much darker version, um, a criminal, a murderer. And Batman is faced with that. A member of his own family uh, is now on the wrong side. And that... Uh, that dark story, I think, lended itself to horror. And so I leaned into that. I leaned into to Jason, uh, you know, um, going to the dark side psychologically. And that journey, I think, is horrific. I think it was there in Under the Red Hood. I think it was there in what Judd Winnick wrote. And I just kind of leaned into it a little bit more. Um, because I think it's, it's not foreign to the Batman universe. I think... Um, again, the, the dark psychology that Batman confronts every day uh, through his specific villains, it, it all lends itself to horror. And so I think, you know, the appropriate choice um, for this specific character and for this specific story. And, and speaking of villains, uh, Two-Face wasn't in the original storyline or in... Uh, the record film. So what was it about that character that made you want to use him in this? And were there any characters that you wanted to use but just couldn't find a way to make them fit? Mm -hmm. Well, Two-Face um, specifically, it's a, a villain about choices. And so I, I thought there was some poetry to bringing Two-Face into this. It, it's also a character I've never gotten to work with. I've worked on a lot of different uh, Batman um, properties at, at Warner Brothers Animation over the years. And um, that was one villain that I just hadn't really had the chance to, to get into and, and work with. And so I was really excited to work with Two-Face. But also, uh, Two-Face has an important role in Jason Todd's history. 
mean, it was kind of alluded to in the books that Two Face was was behind uh, the the loss of, of Jason Todd's biological father, um, and that was something I, I wanted to work with uh, the loss of fathers, father son relationships is at the core of of this story, uh, as it was with um, Under the Red Hood, and so I, I felt it was uh, it was perfect bring two case into this story well thank you thank you brandon so much all right that was a great interview uh thank you brandon for taking the time to talk with us and, and kind of give some of your insight into this uh amazing pro- project that uh, that is coming out very very soon so next up is zara fazel like i said she voices talia al ghul and she is being interviewed by, once again, Brad Flicky, and who is joined by Kendra Hale. So uh, enjoy. Hi. Tell me your name again. Uh, my name is Kendra, and my colleague's name is Brad. Nice to meet you guys. I'm Barrett. Nice to meet you. A pleasure. Um, I, guess, I guess I'll go first since we just have the 10 minutes. Um, what was your approach to Talia Al Ghul when you, when you took on the character? Um. So there's two parts to that. Psychologically, um, you know, being the daughter of Rachel Ghoul, I think Talia Al Ghoul is very interesting in that she's a cool customer, she's in charge, she's in control, she's trying to strike out from underneath her father's legacy to create her own thing. And I think she and Bruce Wayne have a lot in common in that regard. They're both kind of obsessed with building their respective families, building their respective legacies, um, and honoring the past. So psychologically, that that was kind of what I focused on with Talia. And then in terms of figuring out her sound, um, Jason Isaac played Rachel Ghoul in the Under the Red Hood movie that this is the same universe of. So in talking with Brandon Vietti and Wes Gleason, our uh, voice director, we wanted to kind of give her a similar accent to that of her father. So someone who's kind of come up being educated in the British school system. So, yeah, that was kind of my approach. Very cool. Brad? What was your favorite thing about playing Talia? Uh, is it fun to play the villain? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I love playing villains because villains don't think of themselves as villains. You're always the hero in your own story. And so I never approach a villain character thinking about, I'm evil. I never think that. I think I'm right and I'm entitled to what is mine and to what I believe in. And so I love, the other aspect I really love about Talia is, you know, playing a character that's so sure of their actions um, and so sure that they are in the right. Uh, when you then have scenes with characters who are dynamically opposed to what you are doing in your actions, it creates a really interesting conflict because both sides believe they're in the right. So I absolutely love whenever I get an opportunity to play a villain um, for that reason. <laughs> Very cool. So, uh, p- approaching the story, the, the, you know, the death in the family, was it daunting at all um, taking on such a, a huge moment in time for the DC universe? Yeah, I 
mean, I was so excited when I was offered the role, and I was so excited when I knew it was an adaptation of Death in the Family by Brandon Vietti. Um, I've long admired Brandon's work, um, working with him on Young Justice. Whenever you get a Brandon Vietti script, when it's good. So I was so excited about what he would have to say and bring to Death in the Family, um, and especially in this new interactive format, which places the viewer directly in the middle of the story. Like, I think, uh, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking too much about, gosh, this is this huge, iconic storyline from the comics that we have to live up to. I was more thinking about it like, wow, this is a fresh adaptation of this material for a new audience, and it's going to honor the original material in a really interesting, updated way. Uh, so it was just exciting all around. How, what was the influence of your history in theater into your performance and what you brought to the character of Talia? Ooh, I love this question. I would say that my theater background, I bring it um, into every, I feel like actors who work in acting for animation or video games, anything with voiceover, a theater background is the best training because What's so helpful in theater, especially if you're doing like a solo show where you don't have another scene partner with you, you learn how to perform and act and speak to someone who isn't there. And that is so much the case in animation when you're recording on your own, you don't necessarily have a scene partner reading with you. That ability to um, create the other part of the scene. It's so crucial. And so, yes, I would say that I absolutely bring my theater background, not only to this particular role, but to every role I take on. Theater is the best training. Uh, you know, having a live audience response to the things you're giving out is the best training for an actor. Um, and I do think that, you know, while all, all the performances in this movie are very grounded and realistic, there is an element of theatricality because how could there not be? It's Batman. <laughs> and so I think that kind of heightened, um, heightened stakes and the ability to kind of ratchet up the, the, uh, the truly the life or death circumstances, what could be more theatrical than that? Absolutely love that answer. Um, I think I just have one more for myself. If you could share with us, what was one of your favorite moments from, from doing the role? I remember when we recorded, <laughs> so they played a, an animatic at the recording session, so I could just kind of see uh, the pacing of the scene, and um, my friend had done all the scratch tracks for it, she had helped out with storyboards uh, for that episode, and she had done the scratch tracks, so it was really fun hearing her voice in scratches, like temporary voiceover, so that was so fun, it was like a welcoming it was a welcome, they welcomed me to the session to hear my friends uh, doing the scratch vocals. But I remember our voice director, Wes Gleason, was just very um, supportive of the choices I was making. Like, he, we, he kind of, we made some adjustments on where she would live vocally, and then he just let me play. He just kind of let me go. Um, and I, I really, with each take we did, kind of sunk more into... Uh, the emotionality 
And because this is a branching story, you really get to examine a character in drastically different circumstances, right? Like, the Talia that exists in one scenario is different than the Talia that exists in the other based on the choice story thus far. So to really explore the different sides of the character and to really kind of sink and luxuriate into the different emotional states, that was something that was really special about the recording process. And is there any dream character in the DC Pantheon that you would love to play if you could choose to play any DC character? Oh, gosh, I would love to try my hand at Wonder Woman in some iteration. I I love that character. Um, I would also love, I'm a huge Sandman fan, and so I would love Death was my absolute favorite growing up. I would love to take a crack at Death. (laughs) Or anybody in the Sandman universe, really. I love that universe. Thank you much. Thank you so much, Sarah, for doing this. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much for spending time with us. Sandra, Brad, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right. Uh, she's going to be, I think she's going to be a fantastic uh, person in the, in this film. I, I'm really excited to hear how she portrays the character of Talia. So next up is the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Todd. That's right. Being voiced by Vincent Martella. And uh, we had uh, both Brad and Kendra back for this interview to talk to the man himself. The one who either lives or dies in this interactive form. So uh, check that interview out right now. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Kendra? It's going well, thank you. So, doing the current voice for Jason Todd in the Death in the Family movie, did you bring anything from Under the Red Hoods, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, that was kind of the first order of business when I... um, when I started working on the project was, uh, you know, finding the, the similarities of the voice that I, that I used in Under the Red Hood and, and bringing that over. And then once we got into that mood and kind of got that vibe down, it was all about um, adding in all the extra layers of emotion that um, this story brings to my character. So... Um, yeah, it was kind of like a, a multi-part process, but it was it was definitely it definitely involved trying to get back to uh, the place that I was at um, when doing under the Reddit. That's really cool. So, I mean, obviously you had to to take a, an older stance. Well, I mean, maybe did you take an older stance with this Jason coming back to it? Did I take a what? I'm sorry. A, an older an older mindset. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, this this kind of, you know, it progresses the story of Jason Todd a lot more. So all the things from, you know, not just what happened in Under the Red Hood, but also what's, you know, what's going on with every decision that the audience makes, mm-hmm. that just keeps adding to this character. Um, so, you know, Brian Vietti, the writer and the director, as well as Wes Gleason, who was voice directing in the booth, we all kind of worked really hard to make sure that... Um, the way I'm playing the character is slightly different and has different nuances depending on the decisions that you make. I mean, and I, obviously an arduous process. I mean, did you ever find yourself getting tired during recording? No, no. I, I was having a lot of fun doing it. And I mean, you know, you, you don't usually, I find 
you know, in different animated projects that I work on and just acting in general, you don't really notice how, like, you know, how much energy you expended until afterwards. And then you go, oh, yeah, I guess I was, um, you know, the last couple hours I've really been um, acting extremely um, upset and damaged. And, you know, I, I've been playing this character who's, um, whose life is, you know, in tragedy right now. And so um, that takes something out of you. But I find I don't really notice until after I've left. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I've been using a lot of emotion all day. <laughs> Brad, I've actually had the opportunity to answer a few or ask a few if you want to go. Okay, sure. Now, uh, before I, you know, before Under the Red Hood, were you familiar with the character of Jason Todd? You know, not before I had worked on Under the Red Hood uh, about 10 years ago. No, I wasn't. But because of that experience, now I obviously very much so am. But no, before Under the Red Hood, I was not. And did you did you happen to read the source material? Um, yeah, but not in a very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I read it before Under the Red Hood. Because uh, I guess my, my one question, too, would be, uh, has your approach to the character changed since Under the Red Hood? Uh, how you approach the character, how the character has grown? Um, you know, how did you, how, how did you change your approach with... Uh, yeah, well, it was different um, with playing Jason Todd this time, and yeah, my, my approach certainly changed specifically because of, um, you know, exploring the interactive element of this film, giving, you know, these large choices to the audience. Um, when these big things, these big events happen to Jason Todd, you know, we then explore them and what they mean to him and how it, you know, how these things impact his view on family and his view on growth and his view on justice and his view on violence. And um, I just, because we um, we go so many different directions with the character in this film, it allowed me to um, learn a lot more about him and how I wanted to play him. So it was it was very cool having so many different destinations for this character. Is it... Is there a different process that you take when you amp yourself up for Jason um, versus other characters that you've voiced, like Phineas? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly a different experience when I'm playing someone like Phineas as playing Jason Todd. I mean, when you perform these characters in the DC universe, um, especially when working on you know a Batman film, there is a very specific mood and an energy you have to bring to these characters. You know, it has to fit the. Uh, the tone of the source material. And so, yeah, it's definitely more of a, a, a darker, um, emotional, um, angry vibe with Jason Todd because he's a very angry and damaged <laughs> young person. And um, so there has to be a lot of anger and, um, you know, longing behind a lot of these things that he says and does. Whereas Phineas, um, you know, is obviously very, um, very energetic and is a young child who, um, is just extremely creative and um, optimistic and has only been upset, you know, two or three times in the history of the show. So, <laughs> so there's definitely different places that I, you know, I have to go for these different characters. <laughs> Thank you. Brad? And do you, do you find it harder to play the darker characters in the darker stories than 
yeah, the more lighthearted, or is it just kind of all in the same, you know, it's all in the same job kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have necessarily, you know, a preference or a final and harder or easier. Um, I think what it ends up being is um, they end up being enjoyable for different reasons. Um, is you know, I there were there you know there are parts of exploring a new character that's extremely dark. You go, oh, you know, this was difficult to achieve, and that's obviously why you have the help of you know your director and your you know your writers. Um, you know, and you go, oh, that was easier than just playing happy. But then there's plenty of stuff that I've done on, you know, Fitness and Ferb or, you know, um, or other projects I've worked on where it's like, yeah, no, but it's, it's not just happiness here. It's, you know, you're getting an idea and you're, 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 you're excited about, or you're doing comedy. And so, you know, trying to find the humor in moments can be difficult at times too because you're trying to make your audience laugh. So there's, there's difficulties in, you know, both comedy and drama that I think are very specific to each. Um, and I don't think one's harder than the other for me. I think they're both just fun in different ways to like reach those those highs and lows in those performances. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there a character that you have as your like ultimate goal, like one that's on your bucket list that you haven't gotten a chance to play around with? Oh, I think that there are plenty for sure. I would love, I, you know, uh, I would love to do a western of some kind. Um, just because I can't imagine being on set like that, I think that would be incredible. And so few of them get made, so I think it'd be really cool to, you know, work on something like that and get to have some fun wardrobe and great facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Uh, did, did the interactive component of the film present any challenges to you as an actor? Yeah, well, I mean, even upon walking into the studio for the first time to record, you know, uh, uh, Brandon, our director, um, laid out the map of the storyline, and here's where the, the decisions come into play, and here's where it branches off the character into different directions. And, you know, whenever you're playing a character over the course of either an episode or something, or the course of a film, you know, you want your character to change, and you want to show growth, or, um, you know, you you want to explore them and what makes them tick. Um what was nice about this is, you know, you can see decision in like the little little points in, you know, this map and on the script of this is going to be something that's going to change him. You know, this moment right here that we give the audience, we let them do something. Um, here's how it's going to change the character. And so um, that was just an interesting experience because you don't usually have that. You don't usually know the exact moment. That's usually something as an actor and you, know, you work with your director on finding what those what those moments are for your character, but this was literally here. It is these are the moments that we want to um, to impact the character. Okay, thank you. And can you? And I know we're running a little bit short on time, so I'll make this my last one. Um, is there a moment that stays with you uh, when you having played Jason Todd? Is there one that is a favorite moment? Yeah, I do have a favorite moment in this film um, where I um, I catch up with an old friend, um, and I can't say any more about it. But there is there is definitely a moment in this film that is my favorite moment so far. Um, so uh, I think that's all I can say. <laughs> but, but yeah, there is a moment in this film. All right, thank you. We'll have to keep sharp eyes, Brad. Yeah. Uh, do you? I. Uh, 
do you prefer live action acting or voice over work? You know, I don't think I have a preference. I, I've had such an experience of working on both. Like, obviously, I know that, you know, that doesn't answer your question. But um, that's the truth because I've had such really, really cool jobs working live action and working animation. So I don't think I'll ever really have a preference. Um, I think what's so interesting and different about working in animation is obviously you really don't get to see the art with the, char- with the character's voice for such a long time. Whereas, you know, at least when you're on the set and, you know, you're working with other actors, you have the benefit of at least seeing with your own eyes everything that's happening. Um, and it's always so exciting as it was with this movie when I finally got to see all the artwork and I got to see the picture when I was doing ADR. Um, that made it so much more exciting. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks so beautiful and some of the art is just incredible in this and it's really violent and, you know, at times very graphic and it, it, you know, it has horror elements, like a horror film in it. And so getting to actually finally see those after, you know, months and months is always such a, you know, such a great day. I just want to thank you very much for taking the time to do to do this interview, and I can't wait to see the film. I'm, I'm really excited to see the finished product. So congratulations on yeah, no problem at all. I, yeah. I, yeah, thank you. I'm, I was really happy with how it turned out. I, I appreciate you guys talking to me about it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all very right, thank much. You so much. All right, it's great to uh, to hear what he had to say about the, about this character and about. Uh, you know this whole film and, and and his thoughts on everything, and so last but definitely not least, is uh, one of one of my favorite voice actors, Mr. John DiMaggio, uh, who voices the Joker in this film. Uh, he also voiced the Joker in Under the Red Hood, which this is tied to, and man, this guy, he has done so many voices, not not you know a lot within the world of DC like so many if you go on to like his IMDb he has so many DC credits for various characters but outside of DC he's done hundreds of characters and and one of them is is one of my favorites Bender Bending Rodriguez from Futurama that's right the one and only John DiMaggio uh and this uh, he is being interviewed by Sharna Jahangir from Dark Knight News, which is our sister site, she came over to uh, do this interview. She was very excited. So take it away, Shara. Hi, I'm doing well. How are you doing, John DiMaggio? Very good, very good. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for doing this interview with us at DC Comics News. It's such a pleasure. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, uh, I have about... Uh, how's it going so far, by the way? Have you been well? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, everything is uh, everything has been all right. I've been very fortunate enough to not uh, have caught uh, COVID <laughs> this whole time. Uh, neither has my wife, so that that's good stuff. We're keeping our masks on and social distancing and, and doing all the right stuff. So, yeah, it's it, it been okay, and, and I hope you you have been well too. Oh, I've been very well. Oh, thanks for showing such a good example. I'm really happy you've been well. well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I guess I'll start with the questions and uh, and yeah, definitely looking forward to to conventions again, so we could do this face to face. But um, yeah. for 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 the death in the family, you, you were behind the voice of the Joker in the highly appraised uh, Batman film Under the Red Hood. What was it like uh, for you diving back into this material for Death in the Family? Well, 
I, I, I was really, really, really excited. Um, I was saying before how, uh, or just earlier, um, how I've been fortunate enough to get to revisit uh, a lot of the characters that I played after periods of time of not doing them. Um, you know, uh, Bender from Futurama, uh, Jake the Dog on Adventure Time, uh, you know, um, uh, Marcus Phoenix with the Gears of War franchise, just, you know, the various various stuff here and there that, is, that has come back around. And this project, you know, with, you know, Batman and the Red Hood being involved in the, you know, in, in, in this storyline, and, and the many storylines that they created to uh, to make this this uh, Blu-ray DVD so special, you know, um, it's just been a lot of fun, you know, and it's and it's been it's I was saying as, as well the, the the template that I set the first time was was easy to get back into because it was just something that I I don't know I just I just is a tuning fork you just tap the tuning fork and you're like oh I hear the note. There you go. It's right in. We, we get right back to work. Um, it, it's just, it's just really something. And uh, and Brandon Vietti has created something that's really, really incredible. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, it's just, it's exciting. It's an exciting way to tell a story, right? Tell or tell stories, really. You know. Oh yes, for sure. Uh, 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 with this interactive uh, way of telling stories, we were wondering: were there any challenges uh, for you for the story being interactive and having multiple paths? Not, not, not really. No. Listen, as an actor, when they like, when they lay it out for you, when they show you the scripts and you just like, okay, this is what happens here. This is what happens here. Instead of that happening, this happens in the storyline. And instead of this happening in this storyline, this happens in the storyline. So it's just. You know, it's all pretty much laid out, and you and you act accordingly. You know, as far as the storyline is concerned. But uh, I mean, I think the, for the most part, the toughest job is is for the writer to uh, to fully uh, and eloquently uh, tell these stories. Uh, you know, to the hilt, and take them to their ultimate ends, um, no matter which one the viewer chooses. Oh, fantastic! Thank you. Uh, how how is it like? Uh, this is your second time p- playing the Joker. How is it like getting into the mindset of a character like that? Um, it's really uh, it's a lot of fun because he's so chaotic, evil, and and mm-hmm. just so out there, um, and does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. So it's just uh, it's it's really. Uh, a lot of fun to play within that, uh, within the universe that, that is the Joker, uh, and, and, and Batman, you know, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a treat to get to come back in and play. Um, you know, it's all laid out for you. It's all laid out for you with the scripts and, and, and with how they're doing it. So to, to get back into it, that was, that was, that was easy. That was, it was right there in front. And, and it's and it's a thrill. It's an absolute thrill and a joy. Oh, it's an absolute absolute thrill having you play the Joker every time. <laughs> what uh, what changes will you do? You have such an iconic voice, you know. As you mentioned, Bender. I, I've even played Vampire the Masquerade, and I've heard you there too. It, it's such sure. an iconic voice. Uh, like, what will you do to your voice to make it more Joker esque? 
Um, you know, I can't really put my finger on it. Um, it's kind of one of those things uh, where you just kind of do it. It just happens. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's a, I think there's a quote that um, Sir Lawrence Olivier was on stage doing, doing Macbeth. And uh, he was particularly brilliant this one this one performance. And someone said to him after the show, like, "Oh, that was just so brilliant." And he was just like, "What was brilliant? I don't remember." Like, there's a thing you kind of go into a performance mode where you're completely free and you're completely open, and you just perform that thing, and it's. It, it happens once, and it's live, and it can you can do it a couple of times. But the magic, you know, that the magic occurs when the magic occurs, and so it's just you just tap into it. Um, I can't really explain it. It's kind of I don't know. It's it's kind of like explaining a joke to someone. You kind of lose the joke when you explain it. Um, you lose the performance if I try to break it down and explain it to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I bet someone as freeing uh, as playing someone like the Joker, it must be like an interesting like mental experience for sure. So probably hard to pinpoint yeah. and put down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and to explain to explain how you get there, it's just you really have to let go, and you know, you you really have to let go and 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 really. You know, you have to go to a dark place, too. So it's not something that you're, like, excited about it. <laughs> you know, you're going, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be in a world of, of very, uh, of, of darkness, of, of the Joker, you know. Um, mm -hmm. He's a psychotic maniac. Um, you have to, you, you know, you, you lose yourself in it to get there. So it's just, that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, amazing uh, absolutely that chaotic evil I can I can feel it I can feel the way you'll play it amazing <laughs> and uh, oh I guess um I wanted to ask like what one, one last question but what what would oh actually it's a two two-part question but what would what would you want Jason's fate to be can I ask you that Jason Todd's fate I don't know I, I don't know I don't know if you can ask me that, but you know what? The beauty of it, this is this. See this thing. This is the beauty of this kind of storytelling because whoever the viewer is, whatever they want to, whatever they want to choose, they can. So there's so many different ways to end it, you know. Um, and 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 I think that, that that's really appealing to people. Um, I mean, you know, and listen, back in the 80s when they did the call-in thing to find out what happened to Jason Todd, and if they killed off Jason Todd, why not loud? I don't think they're going to do that this time around. Who knows? Who knows what the, you know, and I'm not allowed to, to, to disclose to anyone who's who's going to buy this DVD of any of the storylines, but I'm telling you, it's such, it's such a great way to tell a story, and it's so fascinating. And the people that are fans of the franchise 
and the DC comics and the, on the Batman and the, the Joker are going to love this. They're going to absolutely lose their minds because it's just, it's awesome. I mean, you know, first of all, Under the Red Hood was great, but then you, yes. then you put on top of it, you know, what, what they're doing. It's just, ah, it's just pretty ripping. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate that excitement. I'm I'm so excited for this film and this interactive. No, people, people, people really should be excited. It's really wonderful. Brandon has done an incredible job uh, of putting this together. Bruce Greenwood is brilliant as Batman. Uh, Vincent Martella is unbelievable. Uh, you know, this is a solid voice cast, um, incredible animation. Um, and, and you get to pick how you want it to end. I mean, what's what's better than that, you know? No, nothing. Nothing, especially, like, yeah. uh, I, I regret it. I, I really was sad hearing Jason Todd's ending. So the fact that there's there's other ways or other stories, I am so excited. Yeah. I'm sure fans are over the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? Thank you. Uh, I guess... Well, Last question. Now, um, yes, we were, we were talking about all these different sorts of endings, but do you think that there's uh, an importance in, in Jason Todd's tragedy to Batman's story? Do you think that's that's a, a pinnacle moment, like for Batman, for his uh, for his destiny in I mean, a way? Wow, that's a tough call. <laughs> that's a t- that's a tough that's a tough call. Like, I mean emotionally for the character but like I don't know if that if I'm allowed to talk about that angle but it's a great question because it really it really has to do with the soul of Batman Thank you. and the soul of Jason Todd and how they're connected um uh but, but uh, yeah I guess I guess it I guess it is I mean, they're, they're really both so important to each other. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Oh. That's a great question. Kind Thank of, you. That means so it, much. It, it, it all, it, yeah, it almost answers it itself because it's just like, yeah, of course it does. I mean, I mean, Jason Todd, like, you know, I mean, they're so emotionally connected. They are. So, yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but that's but see, but then again, that's up to that's up to the viewer. If they want to delve into that, I think that they can. So you know, with with the options that they have, so that's it. That's it. Oh, <laughs> I think you got still have like thirty seconds. You want to? Want another question? Go. <laughs> uh, I, I well, I, you talk, mentioned about working with the cast. How is it working with that phenomenal lineup? You know, listen, we get to work with some great people in this business. And when you when you work with talented cast, it makes it that much easier to get the job done and to and to, and to do your own job of of, of performing these these roles. Um, it's it's always it's always wonderful when you get somebody like Bruce Greenwood playing Batman. You know, and and listen, uh, uh, I love all. I love all the Batmans. Um, Kevin Conroy's Batman is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diedrich Bader, one of my favorite people on the planet. And his Batman is something else. Yeah, that's right. Batman, Raven of the Falls, Aquaman. Aquaman's my friend. 
<laughs> thank you so much for that. I mean, thank you. You made my heart jump. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Sharma, we gotta we gotta run. No problem. But thank you so thank much. You. Thank you both. Thank you so much for this. Absolutely. I hope you stay safe. All right, sure. You too. Sure. Take care. We'll chat with you later. Chat with you later. Right. Take care. Bye. All right. That was a great interview. Thank you again. Thank you uh, to Brandon Vietti, uh, Zara Fazel, Vincent Martella, John DiMaggio. Thank all of you for uh, coming on and doing these interviews and for making this this film. You know, so it, this it's, it's the first time they've ever done something like this, this interactive thing. You know, we've seen some interactive stuff on Netflix recently with um, – Band, uh, the Black Mirror Bandersnatch episode with the uh, Kimmy Schmidt episode and even a uh, if you watch the Boss Baby animated series, uh, they just recently put out an interactive one for that as well. So it's nice to see DC diving into this. Um, but if you really want the full experience, you have to pick up the Blu-ray. Um, the digital version will only have linear stories. Uh, that are four linear stories that will be put together already for you. You will not be able to make choices on the digital uh, uh, portion of it. So be sure, uh, October 13th, be sure to pick up this Blu-ray so that you can experience making these interactive choices for yourself and deciding whether or not Jason Todd lives or dies. His fate is in your hands. So again, thank you to everybody who's uh, been listening, who supports us here at DC Comics News. Uh, be sure to check us out on social media at DC Comics News, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. You got it. We have it there. If you need some, some news, reviews, interviews, we got it all. So be sure to uh, check that out, dccomicsnews.com. And uh, yeah, as we always... Uh, I like to close out our programming here at DCN. Uh, we always have one simple request for our fans, and that is to read more comics. So uh, with that out of the way, I just want to say thank you once again, and catch you next time.